Welcome to the next message from Encounter Church. For more information about our church, visit us online at EncounterPGH.com. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the message. I'm so excited. Actually, today we're doing something different. She's going to be a tag team preaching with me today. I'm really excited to have Heather on stage with me uh, for our brand new series called Undressed. Uh, you might have seen on uh, Facebook throughout the week, uh, we have been kind of sharing this. Um, you know, sexuality, genders, romantic relationships, there are all sorts of opinions about it all over TV, um, in our culture. Everywhere you go, everybody's got an opinion, different opinions. There's all sorts of questions. People are confused. Um, some people don't think they're confused at all. There's all sorts of, of just opinions and thoughts about um, genders, about romantic relationships, and about sexuality. And so we thought it was uh, time for us as a church to, to try to get a, maybe a different perspective. You know, at this church, uh, we, are, we believe that, that the Bible is God's word. And so what we wanted to do was we wanted to try to explore these topics that are so prevalent in our society from a perspective of just what does the Bible say about it? Um, so just kind of right up front, before we get started and just kind of diving in, I just kind of wanted to set the precedent or the tone just so everybody understands where we're coming from. I recognize that in this room there may be individuals who have uh, maybe not grown up in church, maybe not can even consider themselves to be Christians, maybe they uh, are not sure what they believe, uh, maybe you kind of come from different backgrounds or melding things together. What I would say to you is as we go through this series throughout this month, we're not so much trying to say this is exactly what you have to believe. What we're saying is, is that as a church, we believe what we believe because we believe that the Bible came from God and that we're trying to understand what he thinks about these topics. So anything that you hear here that you maybe aren't sure about, you've got questions about, or maybe you just maybe even disagree with, this is all the beginning place for conversation, okay? That's kind of the idea here. Now, I believe it, and I preach things with conviction, but I want to have conversations with anyone who maybe thinks differently or doesn't understand them. That's what I'm trying to say. There's like a balance there, okay? So uh, the idea today was what we wanted to do was we're calling this message this first week called Where is the Love? Where is the Love? The idea here is that in order for us to, to I think, start understanding relationships and romance and what, it, what God thinks about those things, I think it's probably important for us to start with one of the main components of relationships, and that would be the people in them, right? So men and women, uh, and, and we thought it would be a good idea to get some perspectives today. So Heather is here with me today to kind of share some things. So just to get started off right off the bat, obviously men and women are very different from each other, right? So if you, you can look at us on the stage here, physically it's one of those spaces where we're obviously different. Men and women are completely different physically. We have different features. Um, you know, even, if, even if we had, even if I had long hair, my hair would look completely different than hers, right? Men and women have different body parts, obviously. Men and women have, have different looks, different skin tones, different even just the way that we are. So physically... We're different. And we're also different emotionally. Men, oftentimes, they don't like to show their emotions. It's more they hide them. They want to be tough. They want to come off as not being weepy like sometimes us women can be. Women, we wear our emotions on our sleeves, some more than others. We are emotionally driven. So the decisions we make, the choices in life that we make, are made off of the emotions that we feel. That's kind of how we push forward is based on the emotions, whereas men often, unless they're with you know, a close group of, group of friends or maybe at home, they don't show emotions 
Whereas, like me, I see a commercial on TV about adopting pets, and I'm weeping like a baby. Now, all of this obviously is is general statements. Okay, so we're not not trying to uh, trying to make any specific. Uh, premises about individuals. We obviously know that every one of us are different. In fact, growing up, I've actually been much more sensitive than I am, uh, was more of like that typical manly sort of concept. But what we're talking here, we're kind of painting with broad strokes here, right? So generally speaking, these things are true. So another area of differences is in preferences. Oftentimes, guys like to do things like video games, right? Guys like things raw. They like things rough, right? So that's kind of the way we think about it. Football is a great example of this. It's typically typically a male-dominated sport. And then when we think of women and their preferences, we often type to think of things. Now, a lot of this is societal, obviously, right? But we tend to think of things like um, things in the home, crafting. We tend to think of things that are softer, right? So preferences, preferentially, we often see genders that are different too because of the things that we just prefer different styles of things. And there's also communication, the way that men and women communicate. We communicate differently, and everyone's different in this area. In our relationship, Jared is very open with how he speaks. He wants to get off what's on his mind. He wants to talk through things, where I tend to be a little closed off. I want to process. I want to think through things. And in group of women, we talk. All we do is talk. We like to talk to each other. We like to talk about what's going on in our lives. And men sometimes may keep it a little bit more towards sports. Hey, bro. Or, what's uh, up, bro? Exactly. Where I'm like, nothing much, bro. Guess what happened today? Oh my goodness, I stubbed my toe. And you know, I mean, we just we communicate differently together, and also in our groupings of of you know men and women. Right. So again, all of these are general statements. So the, so. We can tell that there is clearly a difference between men and women. So the question, I guess, would be is that how can we actually get along together with all of these differences? How could we possibly work together? Because I think oftentimes we think that gender's differences are problems. We even have game shows, Battle of the Sexes, right? There, was, there were books written, like women are from Venus and men are from Mars. That's kind of like back in the day, I think in the 80s or early 90s. Like there are so many things out there that talk about genders but are oftentimes talking about how they're different and most of the time pit them against each other as though they're, that they're, they're different and almost sometimes that one is better than the other. We think of girl power, right? We think of, like I said, battle of the sexes. A lot of times these differences are, are not talked about how we can work together, but instead they're positioned as though as somehow one is better than the other or that differences causes problems. And so, but when we look at the Bible, The Bible actually paints a picture that men and women were designed to fit together and be complementary to each other. So we're not talking about opposites, but think of it more like pieces of a puzzle that when you put them together, they work properly and they paint a picture. And most conflicts in relationships, in romantic relationships particularly, actually happen because the other person is not recognizing the differences as they're seeing them as problems instead of just different things. They're recognizing, they're not understanding how each person's wired differently. This happened to us in our marriage very early on. Um, Heather and I, she had mentioned communication styles. It was very frustrating for Heather and I very early in our marriage because I would want to talk through a problem and then I would find that she would kind of shut down because I'm confronting an issue. And what I was finding is that I had to come to realize, this was a few years down the road, had to realize that she is much more naturally a a thinker. So when something comes up, she processes internally, whereas I'm more of like word vomit man. And so... (laughs) So that's what would happen is, and it would create friction in our marriage, in our relationship, because I'm trying to talk through things, and I feel like she doesn't want to talk. And so I would see it as a problem. But once I began to understand 
how she was wired, how she, her natural way of thinking and operating and acting and what she preferred. Once I began to understand that, once we began to understand each other, we were able to work together. So let's ask this question again then. What is God's intent for us as men and women. Throughout this entire series, Undressed, what we want to do is we want to, we want to try to seek that question. We want to find the answer to that. What is God's intent for all of these topics? So today we're tackling, tackling genders. So what we're going to do is we're going to start our exploration this month of what God intends by looking at three different passages of Scripture and to see what we can glean from those things. If you have your Bibles, would you turn to Genesis chapter 1? We're going to the very, very, very beginning of the Bible. Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 and 27. It's pretty short. It's just two verses. And we're going to kind of see one point, just the first point about how we can, uh, what, what is God's intent for men and women. So verse 26 begins here. It says, Then God said, Let us make human beings in our image to be like us. So God created human beings in his own image, in the image of God he created them. I love how it like repeats itself over and over and over again. Male and female, he created them. So the underlying portion there is, so God created human beings in his own image. So the first, I guess, observation that we could glean for what does God intend for us as men and women, as human beings, is that each gender, both man and woman, represent different aspects of God's unified nature. Now, oftentimes... Oftentimes, people, there have been arguments, right, like God's a man or God's a woman. There was a, a popular song in the 90s where it was talking about how God was like a female, right, because it was so uh, out of the, the, the normal traditional thinking. Most people, whenever you see pictures of God, it's like a guy in a, with white hair and, and, a, and a white robe. The picture of masculinity is, is who God is. But the reality is, is that scripture right here, Genesis 1, tells us that men and women both were created in God's image. So what that means is that, is that when we see a person, you're actually seeing a snapshot of who God is and what God's nature is. So the fact that I may be, as a man, generally speaking, uh, maybe powerful and strong and maybe more, um, more upfront with things, that's, that's, that's part of who God is, that God does represent those elements. But at the same time, when you think, generally speaking, females are sensitive, they're emotional, they value uh, maybe beauty more and those types of things. That's also a part of who God is. I mean, so, so when you look at an individual, myself, or you look at, at Heather, or you look at yourself, or you look at your kids or your spouse, every single human being on this planet represents a small fracture, fraction, I'm sorry, of who God is in his nature. And so put it together. When you put men and women together in all of their generalizations, when you put them together, you get more of a complete picture of who God is. You get both masculinity and you get both femininity. Both of them are the unified nature of who God is. He's not a man and he's not a woman. He's, he's just all of it. And so every aspect of, of humanity represents a fraction of what God is really like. So that's the first part. Do you have anything to add to that? I think you covered it pretty well. All right. So we'll move on to our second verse, which is also in Genesis, but we're going to go to Genesis chapter 2, verses 18 through 25. 
Then the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper who is just right for him. So the Lord God formed the ground, formed from the ground all the wild animals and all the birds of the sky. He brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And the man chose a name for each one. He gave names to all the livestock, all the birds of the sky, and all the wild animals. But still, there was no helper just right for him. So, God, so the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. While the man slept, the Lord took out one of the man's ribs and closed up the opening. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib, and he brought her to the man. At last, the man exclaimed, this one is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She will be called woman because she was taken from man. This explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two were united into one. Now the man and his wife were both naked, but they felt no shame. So in this verse, we talk, God talks about Adam and how Adam was in the garden alone and he had created the animals and the livestock and nature, but Adam was still lonely. He was there by himself and couldn't find the companionship that he needed through just the nature and the animals. So God saw that he was lonely and God created a woman to be that complete process of them being together. So we look at this and we see that Adam was lonely and incomplete. He needed someone to balance him out and thus God created Eve. So our second point today is men and women were designed to complement each other. We were designed to be together as one. We're not meant to be enemies against each other. I was not meant to be Jared's enemy or to fight with him or to argue with him. I'm meant to complement him just as he is to me. What I am weak in, the holes that I have in my life and my personality, the things that I am weak in, Jared brings that out in me. He brings out the better part of me, and the same for me. The part that he struggles with, I can be there to strengthen him. We work together as a team. And a couple examples of these, and we have some pictures on the screen here, is a lock and key. They're two different pieces, but those two cannot work without each other. You cannot open a lock without the key. A lock is just an ugly paperweight. It doesn't do any good. So that key now unlocks the lock and allows it to serve its complete purpose. Pieces of a puzzle. If we just have random shapes on a table, it's just going to be that, random shapes. But when you have a puzzle, they are meant to fit together, just like I was talking about before. When you have those areas where maybe you're weakened, you don't excel in an area, you struggle in an area, just like I did when, when we were dating. Communication was something that I really struggled in. It was hard for me because my family was not an open and um, communicating family. And so Jared wanted to talk through things, and it took me a while to realize that he would help me learn how to communicate, and I would also help learn him to be a little softer when we were talking. So we learned to be that puzzle together, and that's what we're designed to be. Peanut butter and jelly, they Come go on, together. <laughs> Peanut butter, jelly time. Peanut butter by itself is great, but yeah, jelly, it makes it sweet. It completes that sandwich. We complete each other. We complement each other. And then in the end of this verse, it says, that a man leaves his father and mother to be joined to his wife. We're not meant to live alone. We're meant to be with someone, to be complete with someone. So a man leaves his father and mother because they cannot fulfill that hole in his life. They cannot compliment him and be that other person in his life. So a man leaves his mother and father to find his wife, to find his soulmate, to continue his life. And so that's why it's important for us and why we are designed to complement each other. Yeah, so what we're talking about here, again, is intent, right? So, so the picture that we see is that there, there just appears to be, sometimes things just work the way that they are supposed to. I, I use this, this 
thought about uh, in a kind of a different topic about like a lawnmower. You can use a lawnmower to be a leaf blower, but it's going to make a big mess, right? So its job was designed for something. And, and all of these images we had on the screen, peanut butter and jelly, keys and a lock, pieces and puzzles, like all of those were designed to, do, to work together. And you, could, you, could, you could add other things to peanut butter. You could have different things, and they would probably be okay, but some things are designed to work together. And that's what that picture that we see in Scripture of men and women, they were designed to complement each other and to work together. So the last one we're going to go through here, Ephesians 5, chapter 20, uh, verses 21 to 33. Now, this, this is probably the most sticky of the, of the three verses that we're going to tackle today. And, and I want you to track with me all the way through, okay? So, so what we're trying to do... What we're going to try to do this entire series is we want to read the scripture. We want to say, okay, what is it that God is trying to say to us about men and women, about relationships, about sexuality, about gender, all those types of things. And then we're going to take the scripture for what it is and then try to dig into it and understand how it applies to us. Now, some of these things, we have to try to not read them with our cultural eyes, okay? We have to try to say, okay, I I know that I am a modern 21st century man or woman, but I want to go back and read this and say, okay, from a God who is timeless, what is he trying to say to me in this passage? Okay, so Ephesians chapter 5, verses 21 through 33. And further, it says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. That's not so bad. But verse 22, for wives, this means submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For a husband is the head of his wife, as Christ is the head of the church. He is the savior of his body, the church. As the church submits to Christ, so you wives should submit to your husbands and everything. Ooh, let's hang on. Let's keep going. Verse 25. Now, for husbands, this means love your wives, just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. He did this to present her to himself as a glorious church without a spot or wrinkle or any other blemish. Instead, she will be holy and without fault. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as they love their own bodies. For a man who loves his wife actually shows love for himself. No one hates his own body, but feeds and he cares for it, just as Christ cares for the church and we are members of his body. And as the scriptures say, verse 31, a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife. We just heard this verse, right? And the two are united into one. This is a great mystery, but it is an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one. So again, I say, this kind of wraps it up. Each man must love his wife as he loves himself and the wife must respect her husband. Now, at face value, What I hear as a 21st century man is I hear men dominate over the women and that women's, their role, their job is to just do what the guy says, right? How many of you at first glance thought the same thing out of that passage? Am I the only one in the room? Wow. Okay. That must be a chauvinist then. But (laughs) here's the deal. Here's the deal. All right. This is the point that I would, that as I was reading, as I was studying, God, help me to understand this, because this is not who you are. I know that you are not, you are not one to, to paint this picture earlier in Scripture about how men and women are both created in God's image, that both are equally representative of who God is. And then in some passage of Scripture, we see somewhere that it paints this picture that women, your job is to submit and to be quiet. In other parts of Scripture, it seems to paint those pictures. That doesn't seem like the God that I see in the rest of Scripture. Help me to understand this. So here's what I got out of this. 
this. God's intent, number three, God's intent for romantic relationships is submission to each other. It starts off by saying that, right? It says, so then, submit to each other. Now, here's the thing. At the very end, in verse 33, it says, so again, I say, each man must love his wife and the wife must respect her husband. We see two operative words there, love and respect. What we're talking about in the earlier passages, it says men, it says, it says, women submit to your husband's authority. So we have authority and submission, love and respect, authority and submission. Now, here's how this all works. And this was just blew my mind as I was thinking about concepts of like the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. How does that work? All three of them work in tandem with each other, right? Not one is greater than the other. Okay, that's a whole different message, a whole other theology lesson we can go into. But as I was thinking about this passage of scripture, that it's on its face value seems to say that men are the head of the uh, men are the head of the relationship, and that women are to submit. What it actually says is, as men, authority is expressed in love, results in submission. Authority expressed in love results in submission. So even though the scripture says right there that a wife, is her responsibility is to submit to, to her husband, what actually happens is, is that when I express authority in a relationship, in love, what actually happens is, is that my desire is to submit to my wife's, my, my wife's heart, her desires, her dreams, what she is looking for in life. My job, even if, even if I'm given authority, if I do it in love as I'm instructed to, it says men love your wives. That authority is expressed in love, results in submission to my wife's desires. Now, the flip side of that, women, submission expressed in respect results in authority. Do you understand that? So when she respects her husband, when she gives respect to him because of who he is in her life, when she does that, when she submits in respect, it actually results in authority to him. She says, you know what? I am a woman. I'm a 21st century woman. I'm a modern woman. I don't have to. I can do what I want. I'm equal. I'm allowed to do that. But because I respect you and I love you and I give you that respect, it actually, she puts herself willingly there. Do you see how they both work together? When I love my wife unconditionally, I don't lord a single thing over her. And when she respects and she says, you know what? I love my husband and I respect the man that he is, I'm willing to give in and to do what he wants or what he thinks is best. Neither person lords over the other one. So even though the scripture paints a picture that you have that the man has authority and the wife's role is to be submissive, what actually happens is that she gains authority when I love her and when she respects me and I become submissive when I love my wife. We both operate in the dual realities. And I think that's one of those areas where the scriptures are difficult to to translate from, from Greek. Sometimes there are just words or passages where they express words in the Greek language that was originally written in, and then trying to translate it into modern-day English doesn't work very well. And this is one of those times we have to dig into it. So the idea is that, men, your job is to submit to love. In a romantic relationship, you submit to the concept of love. Even though it may be God's hierarchy or however that, paint, that picture is painted, the idea is that we often get ourselves messed up and mixed up because we think that the guy is the one who's supposed to be strong, but the reality is, is it paints this picture that you are supposed to submit to love and give your wife all love. And in the end, she, even though she has the right to stand up and say, I am an equal partner, I'm given the same image of God, if she, when she submits into respect, she is actually given authority in her life. It's incredible. So men submit to love. Women submit to respect. 
And what it actually does is this. This is what I wrote down. It says it results in each partner wielding relational authority and submission in ultimately a loving and healthy relationship. When Heather and I both love each other, when I love her, I want to do what makes her happy. I want to protect her. I want to take care of her. But on the flip side of that, wouldn't you also say that, that when I treat you like that, you also have a desire to do the same thing for me? Yeah. And it also, when you learn that it's about the love and the respect, it doesn't become a, a place of he's telling me what to do. It's he's trying to better me because we're in this together. This isn't he's over charge of me and I'm just here, little me. It's, it's we're doing this together. So when he sees something that he wants to, to help me better myself and it's because he loves me and I respect him from that. And the same goes when I see something that maybe, hey, let's, let's work on this together. It's not about telling someone who's boss and who's wearing the pants in the family. It's about working together as a team and loving each other above anything else. So when something comes up, it's out of love. It's out of respect. It's not out of command or demand. That's really good. And so that's the idea is that it's, it, it, it's the intention is that we actually are in submission to each other. So here's the big idea to kind of wrap up all three of the, 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 the concepts we said today is that healthy romantic relationships have a foundation of value. So that's the image of God. So every one of us in, in relationships are valuable to each other. We have the, the foundation of value of partnership. So we complement each other and ultimately humility which is our submission and our love and our respect. Healthy romantic relationships have a foundation of value, partnership, and humility. Those are the three, the three things that, that, that bring together. From when I read those three passages of Scripture, I see that we're different, but that we are unified in the image of God, that we are created to work together to complement each other, and that our relationship can be healthy and vibrant when we submit to each other in love and respect and we treat each other as we would want to be treated. Um, how, how can we apply this in our life, like practically? So we've heard what the Bible's told us about this, and we've gone through those three points, but now we want to take it and we want to apply it to our lives on a daily basis. And there's three ways that we've come up with that. And the first one is value the unique aspects of your significant other. Value what's different about them. I am different than Jared, and he is different than me. But that's okay. We don't have to be the same. So the differences in Jared, the fact that he loves video games or he likes sci-fi or he needs to talk through things right in the moment, the fact that I'm a little bit more quiet or I need time to process things, that sometimes I like to watch girly movies or, or you know, I'm just not as outspoken, they're different. They're unique things about us, but I value what's different about him because he enhances me the same that I do for him. So the things that are different are not meant to be complicated. They're not meant to cause a problem. They're meant to change things up a little. So we need to respect that. We need to know that those unique things about each and every one of us are what make us together, what bring us together. And the second is be together but not the same. You've probably heard this from the Android commercials. And it's true. We need to be together. I am in this relationship with him. I am not on my own. It is not me, Heather, and then there's Jared. It's we are together. We are the Lanzas. We are a couple. We are united. So we're different. We don't have to be exactly the same. He can like his own things. He can express himself differently. He can have different emotions. He can be different physically and mentally than I can. 
But we're together in this. It's not about being separated. It's about the unity that we have together in our marriage and our relationship. Yeah, and you know what happens is, is that I, I'm naturally a very um, impulsive individual. And Heather is much more thought-oriented, thought process things. So situations will come up in our relationship, whether it be at work or in our home life. And I will have a natural... Uh, just sort of off the cuff response that that that, and I want to I want to do something immediately, but because we're together and she knows who I am, she has the ability to pull that down out of me and say, you know what, I I understand why you feel that way, but but I don't know if that's healthy. Like you might want to like maybe my son does something and you know I don't know if grounding him for three months is really the road <laughs> appropriate response, but. Um, you know, so that, that's an area, an example of how that kind of works. Like it complements because we can balance each other out in those spaces. And then the third way that we can apply this is to serve each other with love and respect like we talked about. And I cannot express how important this is. You need to love your husband, your wife, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, anyone that you have a relationship with. You need to love them and you need to respect them. I cannot tell you how many times in the workplace when I worked in the corporate world where I would sit at the lunch table and hear people, guess what my boyfriend did? Guess what my husband did? He's so stupid. He's No, that's not what it's about. It's about loving and respecting people. You will never hear me say something negative or bad about Jared, nor will you hear him say the same thing about me. Sometimes you get frustrated, but it's about love and respect. We are meant to lift each other up, to encourage each other. But if you're talking each other down, if you're discouraging each other, you cannot have that unity, that relationship together. Instead, you're going to separate each other. So love each other. Love each other with the love that God has given us. Love each other with the love that you have built in your relationship. Respect each other. Encourage each other. When you're sitting in that lunchroom and you hear people complaining, Don't be afraid to say, you know what? I love my husband. I love my boyfriend. I love my significant other. And you know what? They're good in my life because you can be that example for other people. But don't don't spread that, that, that spite, love, and respect each other. Because I tell you what, when you have love and respect for each other, that's what gets you going. We're going on 15 years of marriage this December, Whoop. and it wasn't always easy. But because we built our love, because I respect him, because I know he respects me, we honor each other. That's why we're still going forward. It still gets difficult at times, but we have that love and respect that allows us to build our future and our relationship with God moving forward. So the, the beginning of this message, we wanted to ask that question, what is God's intent for men and for women? And again, there are all sorts of opinions and thoughts and, and we're not trying to make large general statements. What we're just trying to say here is from what God's word seems to, t- to teach us is that, is that we are all made in God's image, that each one of us, the two halves of this puzzle, when we put it together, you get to see the intent, I think, is you get to see what God was like, what, what he designed for us. And uh, so this is just the beginning of this series. Um, next week, our next message is called Who's on Top? Getting a little bit more racy in our titles. But uh, in every relationship, someone has to lead. And the question is, is who is it? So as we get a little bit deeper, I want to just kind of remind everybody, uh, next week is Who's on Top? Heather's going to be preaching that message while I'll be actually in New York uh, preaching at a friend's church. Uh, the week after that is Breakfast Club, but then the, th- the, the, the third week of this series 
is, uh, is called What's Behind Closed Doors, and that one will be talking specifically about sexuality. Um, if, you know, it's PG-13, just so you guys know. I mean, we're just going to be talking specifically a little bit more about sexuality. So let's pray and ask God to bless this time, and we're going to take communion together. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. If you call Encounter Church Home, or if you'd like to partner with us to support the work that God is doing here, you can take advantage of our online giving option. Just go to EncounterGiving.com. Also, stay up to date with us throughout the week by following us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at EncounterPGH. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.